0: Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. Well, we've been talking about a guy called Joseph, he's 17 years of age, very true story. And uh, he's well known uh, around Hollywood circles and Broadway, they do a lot of productions of him. It's a true story, Joseph and the Technicolored Coat, actually happened, historically it's there and it's recorded in scripture. The thing about Joseph is that God had given him a dream. I'm going to uh, read some scriptures and build a text around this. But I want to start by saying God has given every single person that sits here this morning a dream. And it's a matter of you locating it. It's a matter of you finding that dream within you. uh, Beyond your own personal aspirations and desires and wishes and maybe inner agenda of what you'd like to do, God actually in the midst of that has given you a design purpose, a specific reason like an assignment on earth as to why you were born. And uh, so when God created you, he created you as an object of his love, but he also created you with a specific profound purpose for you to fulfill in this life. So you've got to find that in God. And uh, the more you press into the Lord, the more it becomes to hunger. It's like a passion It begins to grow and grow and grow and grow on the inside. It's like a giant or a monster. It's a passion on the inside to fulfill God's destiny, but to do what he's asking you to do. Now, the the, the situation is this, essentially, we draw the illustration as this, God gives you a dream, but to get you to where you need to go, he puts you through a running process, some trials or or some tribulations or difficulties, because he's got to get the rejection out of us, he's got to get the insecurity out of us, the fears, the fear of man desiring to always please people. He's got to get the the arrogance out of us, the greed out of us, the self, the self-man or the self-woman. He's got to nail that, break that off our lives, deal with those inner uh, flesh lives or the carnal nature. And the reason is, is because when you're at the helm of what God wants you to do in life, you need to be able to handle that with humility, handle it with grace. Because you're now representing God at a higher realm or a higher level of influence, and He doesn't like it when you crash. And so if we don't work through some of the processes, we begin to implode, explode on the inside. In other words, if the foundation's not right, it's only a matter of time when things are shaken. We think pressure is bad here. We think pressure is bad during this process, but you wait till God actually brings you into the time of grace and fulfillment of the promise of your destiny. The pressures are more there. And so what God does, he actually takes you. He doesn't tempt you, we understand that, but he does test you and he brings you through circumstance because you want to bring you through as gold. Okay, so that's the story. This young guy, he has a dream. He has a miracle dream that God gave him. The true story was he went through a horrid time for about 15, 20 years or so, and then God brought him through. He's back in Canaan land. Now what God is going to do is raise him up to be the prime minister, a Jewish young fellow, uh, prime minister of Egypt, the most powerful nation of the world at that time, really. And uh, so God had to bring him through the process. So you might be now working through a process, but it's time to actually embrace the hard work. And I want to say this, many are called and few are chosen. True in Scripture. Many are called, somebody put it this way, many, many are called, few make a choice. You can walk around the dream all you like and get bitter because it was never fulfilled and see other people racing past you in life and thinking, man, they've got what I want to do. They're doing what I had that dream. I had that desire. That's what I wanted to do. I had that creative thing. I, that, was, that was my dream. How can, man, that's amazing. I had that 10 years ago. But you know what? Somebody else has raced past you and uh, with the right spirit. The first test was the test of pride. The second test was the purity test. This one is called the pit. Can you say that this morning? The pit. Oh, the pit. This is a horrible one. How many of you are in a pit right now? <laughs> I've been in a few pits. I might get an opportunity in the midst of this message to explain one quick pit. It wasn't very nice. It was a horrible, lonely uh, situation where it's just like, it's like, where is God? You begin to ask questions of yourself. You ask questions of others. Like Solomon, you ask questions about life. You ask questions about God, all these things. It's a place where you'll probably go through to get you to where your destiny is. Amazing. Okay, so we're going to go uh, 37 verses uh, 28. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite t- traders, came by Joseph's brothers, pulled him out of the cistern, the well, and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and he went into Egypt. So, okay, what happens is this is he has a dream, his brothers hate his guts. They decide, let's get rid of this dreamer. Half brothers, marvelous siblings. Uh, didn't care if he died, threw him down the well. Then they decided to negotiate with the Midianites and sell him for two pieces of silver each. And then what happens is this, the Midianites go forward and they begin to they on-sell him as a slave again to somebody else. This man was caught, he's a potter. he has the role uh, in, the, in, in Pharaoh's court looking after executions and so forth. So the next scripture is here, is... Uh, is uh, Genesis 39, one and six. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and, and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about anything except what to eat. Joseph was a handsome man and well-built, a young man. And Potiphar's wife looked at him with longing eyes and come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he's told her, my master trusts me with everything in the entire household. Nobody he has as much authority as I do. He has held back nothing for me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? I would be uh, It would be a great sin before God. So she grabs him one time. He comes in from work. Nobody's around and he uh, flees. The Bible says to flee three things, doesn't it? Flee uh, youthful lusts, flee immorality, and flee idolatry. Uh, he did the second one. He fled uh, immorality. He took off, but unfortunately she grabbed his cloak. Uh, because she was vindictive, because lust can turn to revenge pretty quick. Uh, It wasn't love, otherwise she wouldn't have allowed him to be 12 years in prison. She put a charge against his character and said, this guy tried to rape me. Potiphar came back and he told her, uh, she told him what had happened. And then we begin to read the story here in verse 19, 39 verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, in the pit, and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused him to succeed in every area. Then we understand that in prison, there's two guys in there that have been uh, uh, the Pharaoh had got upset with, and one of them was a uh, who who poured his alcohol, if you like, and the other one was uh, involved with the kitchen. And uh, they had a dream disturbed, and Joseph's a young guy. He already had his own dreams and was able to interpret him through his own worldview of uh, people bowing down, his brothers bowing down, hence they put him in the in the uh, the pit. He says God can interpret these dreams. The first dream he said, oh well, he said within three days you're going to be reinstated and you'll begin to pour the cup of alcohol for the Pharaoh. But as for you, I'm afraid, within three days you'll come out and your head will be taken off, you'll be executed. Came to pass, one was executed, the other one was reinstated. It also came to pass that Pharaoh has a dream. A dream was so Ugly for him and so concerning of him that it freaked him out. He was fearful. How many of you ever had a dream that brings fear, brings uncertainty? Here he has this dream that brought fear and uncertainty. So he brought the chief magic arts, the magicians, not the musicians, the magicians into the, uh, into the courts of Pharaoh. He also brought the wise men of Egypt, and not one of them could interpret the dream. All of a sudden, the guy who had pouring the, the wine and so forth, the grapes or whatever it was, into uh, Joseph, uh, into Pharaoh's. Uh, a carp. He thinks, oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. There was this Hebrew guy in prison. Look, forgive me, master. Forgive me. There was this Hebrew guy in prison. He interpreted my dream. You know, hey, I offended you, and uh, you reinstated me. And also, <laughs> the, uh, the other guy had his head cut off. This guy predicted it. According to everything that happened, he had, we had the dream, it's, this is like, they had the dream, this is, this is my goodness, you've got to get this guy out. So they called Joseph out, they asked him to have a shave, they cleaned up, and he went before Pharaoh. There's something about Joseph, I actually can't wait after I die, I want to go talk to Joseph, I think he'd be an interesting guy to talk to. Really interesting guy. He's a kind of an optimist. You know, goes around. I have this dream to his brothers. Gets rejected, of course, by them and hated, the Bible says. So he comes back with another dream. Hey, I had another dream. Similar, you guys are going to bow down. But now he's in all these things that have happened. His brothers tried to kill him. It was a hard deal for him because the Bible says so. And now he's in Pharaoh's court. And uh, before the Pharaoh, he said, hey, dreams. God interprets dreams. In other words, it's not about me. God interprets dreams. He's a great man of faith, a young guy. Very special. So Pharaoh begins to do this. Pharaoh asks him about the dream. He looks at all the bodyguards and his entourage, and he says, there's nobody wiser than this Hebrew here. And then he says this, it's fitting that you are risen up, and I want you to look after the whole of Egypt. I want you to administrate the whole empire of Egypt. The only body that will be more powerful then you will be me. Here's my ring, signet ring. You'll be put on a horse and you will walk through and nobody will lift their hand and lift their foot in the whole of Egypt without your permission. Oh my goodness. Isn't that amazing? How do you get, honestly, how do you get from being a young guy, dad and mum liked him and favored him and that sort of stuff. How do you get from that, being despised in the background of a place that nobody knows you, the unknown. How do you get like that? You get thrown into, into a well. Your brothers hate you. They actually tried to kill him. Then he gets sold as a slave, then on sold as a slave. God favors him in the process. And then all of a sudden, he's uh, 12 years in prison, interprets a guy's dream. The guys go out, they forget him for an extra two years. And now he summons before the most powerful individual in the world, Pharaoh. Pharaoh begins to say, I want you to be second in command. Unbelievable. It's God. I want to walk us through principles that I see in the word here, and I think that will help us. Uh, the first thing I'd like to say is Satan wants to bash your faith around. Understand, so the first thing he wants to do is bash your, you might be in a season of uncertainty right now, but I can tell it's one of the things the enemy is after is your position of faith. He wants to knock faith. He wants to discourage you and have you live. It's it's like, have you ever known about an eagle? If you know that illustration about the eagle and the snake, do you know what an eagle, when an eagle takes on a snake, do you know what an eagle does? An eagle will pick up the snake and will take it up into the air. When a snake is off the ground, it actually loses the it loses its balance. It's no match. It it loses its balance. It actually, it's unstable up there and it can't fight up there. What the eagle is doing, it's sensible. He's taking the strength away from the snake where a snake can fight and he's lifting him up into his dimension and fighting and he kills him up in the air or he drops him and then begins to eat him alive. (laughs) How many of you guys have eaten a snake before? Okay, so this is what the enemy wants you to do is live. He wants us in the natural. And that's where we lose every time. Because when we're in the natural, it's about rationale. It's about our reason. It's about our logic. It's about our own human understanding, carnal understanding. But God wants us to come up into the things of the Spirit. Faith. Faith defeats the enemy. It was by faith, the Bible says, that kingdoms were conquered. Women received their children who were dead. They put to flight the army of the aliens, quench the fires, escape the edge of the sword through faith. Unbelievable. And so I wanna say to this this morning, this is the area, I believe it's probably one of the most, well, it is one of the most critical, if not the number one area. He wants you to move out of intimacy and He wants you to take away, He wants you to actually forsake faith. I think if he's got your faith, he's really got your destiny. In Job 22.10, Job, who had a terrible uh, dynamic going on in his life, he says this, but he who knows where I am going, God knows where I'm going, and when he tests me, I'm gonna come forth as gold. We have to trust God in the difficult time. It might be your marriage in a difficult time, and I want to extend some grace and I want you to trust the Lord through the process. Maybe you've just got extended yourself, overextended yourself financially, or you can't make payments. Look, I want you to just trust the Lord. Maybe you ventured out into something and you're needing to trust the Lord. Maybe you're just feeling alone on the inside and just like, man, these are the promises. I know God said He's going to prosper us. He's going to cause us to break through, going to go into the nations. We can't even go to the nations. We can barely go to New Zealand without... You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Let me just move really quickly on from that. He's after your faith. But you have to trust God and respect the processes, trust the Lord, And uh, I would like to say this, I've been a Christian for about, I don't know, 40 years now. And uh, things have always got to be fresh because you can get stale, things have always got to be fresh. And I've seen common things happen all the time. And people get bashed around in the area of trusting God. It's, the, it's, it's like we don't trust him like we should. Okay, let me go on. So number one important thing for us is this. The first thing Joseph did, he never got bitter. Now look at this, picture this, remember? This is the blessing, this is the destiny, this is the breakthrough, this is like, wow, here's the finances coming in. It's like, wow, here's the influence. This is the dream coming forth and it's happening for us. We're, 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 we're got, it's got its challenges, but this is like, this is amazing right now. This is this. But here's the dream over here. But in the process, it's lonely nights. It's hard work. It's misunderstanding. It's like, God, where are you? It's time you have to overcome some of your vices. It's when the enemy begins to tempt you in the darkness of night or the loneliness of your soul with lust or sexual lust or or compromise or uh, you want to take a shortcut when you know it's not right, nobody's looking. That's a test. Uh, where you want to lift yourself up and try and elevate yourself into your destiny when you know that you're trying to force God's hand, birthing an Ishmael, that's a test. All these things during the process, it's hard work, and God will make sure, and I'm going to say this, God will make sure, this is not the devil now, God will allow you to go through a very difficult season in life. Because he knows during that difficult trying season that you will get on your knees and you'll pray to God like you've never prayed. You'll say, God, where are you? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where are you? God, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake you. And there's something about you that, you know, if everything is going well, you don't need to fast. If everything is going well and all the money is coming in, you don't need to do that extra pre-meeting. You don't have to sacrifice something. You don't have to put something down on the altar before the Lord. The Lord is going to anoint it and take it and take you forward and expand you and grow you. But you don't need to do that when everything is going well for you. But when there's desperate times, it's desperate measures, our nation is never going to get on its knees. It will never get on its knees, not as a nation. Until we have a persecution or we have poverty or we have a disease and people start to knock on heaven's door. (laughs) It's when we're desperate. And God knows during the time of suffering, the time of difficulty, that's when you are more open to the voice of God. You're more willing, more willing to obey, and more willing to yield to the Lord. Some people say, how about the innocent, the suffering? How about the, the suffering around the world? Isn't it terrible? I don't want to tell you this. That's where God is. You better believe in the suffering where there's poverty. God is moving in unbelievably. It's in the Western world where we're living on fat sitting, and we've got rebates for our tithes and just about everything on the table for all of us. And it's just like we have a little bit of God. But you go next door where there's suffering, where there's persecution, there's carnage, there's poverty, where you've got oppressive regimes. People are crying out for God. That's where God is. Amazing. Let's give the Lord a hand. So if you're going through a difficult time right now, what an opportunity. Don't despise it. Don't shun it. Allow God to do the inner work. If you've been misrepresented or misunderstood, or you've got a tyrant for a boss, bear the yoke while you were young embrace those days. Those are good days. I look back on my life and I've been through uh, seasons of hardship or seasons of difficulty, seasons of trials. They were good times. The key was I never gave up. By God's grace, I never gave up. My face was towards, uh, like flint towards Jerusalem. My face was towards heaven. I never gave up. That was the difference between me and uh, some of my peers. Some of my peers just threw the towel on the early stage. Some of them tripped over fences Not fences, but offenses. They got offended with people. They got bitter towards the churches. They got bitter towards authority. They got bitter and annoyed. This morning, it's my prayer that, whatever it takes, Lord, how long it takes, I want to make sure that I one day that I'm there to cross the mark, good and faithful servant, and you fulfilled your destiny. Caleb was 81 years of age. Isn't it amazing when he began to inherit his destiny? 81. Man, if we don't have it by 25, we figure we've left with the world just where it has been or a 20, or if we don't break the circuit, the music circuit, we feel like, oh, the world is leaving me behind, and no, no, 81, man, 81 years of age, and he broke through into his destiny. Where there's life, there's hope. Uh, let's give the Lord a hand. Oh, well, the, the thing for us is that Joseph never got bitter. He never blamed his brothers. Wouldn't it be an opportunity to blame his brothers and to say, I'm in this pit because they got me here and she falsely accused me. There's no record of it. He had what is called a right spirit. Forgiveness. He became large, enlarged on the big on the inside. No hatred, no malice. No victim mentality. Some people camp here the rest of their life, folks, and they sit right here in the midst of a trial like this. I don't even care about that old destiny. I don't even care about the dream. I just want to get even with some people I know. And some people live like that. We can't. We've got to get over ourselves. If God has forgiven us, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, we have to forgive others. And let me tell you, sometimes we have to forgive people every day. Every day somebody is around our life saying something or doing something or, or the face of somebody that just a reminder of the hurt or the neglect or the abuse that went on. And I said, an everyday occurrence. So we have to do it. God help me. He will. He understands. He was acquainted with sorrows. God understands our trial and tribulation. Joseph had a sweet spirit. He was never vindictive. Genesis 50, verses 17. Uh, The brothers, the servants of God, we, the servants of God, this is his brothers. These are the guys now that tried to put him down the well and sold him and so forth and hated him three times. The Bible says hate him. Now now they realize uh, this is the second, the most powerful guy. He could execute us. Seriously? Pharaoh would be all good with that. We could have our heads lobbed off right here and right now. So this is what they're now saying. Uh, we, the servants of God, of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, because he spoke a different language, uh, if, uh, he could understand them, but he was uh, Egyptian and Hebrew and that. Okay? When Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. It's the ability, let me camp on this a little bit. It's the ability to retain and maintain a soft heart. When you'd rather want to kill somebody or have an unforgiving spirit, you find it within yourself to forgive them. No, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Of course they don't. It was an unjust act, circumstance. It was horrible. Write a book about it. Put it in your chapter. But you know, the next chapter is you overcame it. That's the deal. Very important. He had a soft heart. Job, of course, had a terrible situation. And wife said, hey, uh, Job, this is really bad. Uh, At what point are you going to turn around and curse God? Everything, we've lost everything just about. Why don't you turn and curse God? And he calls her foolish. What he says to her is in Job 1.10, should we accept only the good things from the hand of God and never anything bad from God? So in all of this, Joseph said nothing wrong. I'll give you a, a, a paraphrase. In all of this, Joseph didn't complain. In all of this, Joseph kept his trap shut, his mouth shut. Jesus, the Bible said, learned obedience through submission. Learned submission and obedience through the trials he went through. Number three, the trial, the difficult time, is asking the Lord, why are you there? It'd be so easy to blame the brothers, but it's actually asking the Lord, why am I here? What have I done for this? What did I do? Was I proud? Was I bitter? Did I say something? Did I do something? Uh, It's not so much what's wrong with me. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm not a a damaged good because I'm under the blood. But maybe there's something I've done or something I'm doing. Can you speak to me? So when you're going through a difficult trial, I want you to actually ask the Lord, is there something that I'm doing that if I adjust my attitude, I could get out of here real quick? Now, remember I told you the situation. I was landscaping for a key company in Canterbury and I hated the job. I wanted to be in full-time ministry. I wanted to pastor and all that sort of stuff. And that was the dream. God had to knock that out of me. He had to. So that when God gives you a prophecy that you're going to preach to nations, all that sort of stuff, you get excited about that. God wants to knock that out. He does. So it's purely about Him. Whether you go or whether you don't go, it's irrelevant. You go as a vessel to honor the Lord. That has to be the motivation. So God wants to do that in the season. So here I am, I'm in this job, and one day I'm crying out to the Lord, and I said, the Lord, I said... I remember saying it too. Lord, I want to pastor a church somewhere. It's part of my destiny. It's part of the dream. When? How long? It was one of those desperate days. You can talk to God like that. He doesn't get offended. A clear word came back to my spirit is this. Love your job and then I'll open the door. I knew exactly what the Lord was. Sometimes when the Lord speaks to you, he only says a word, but you understand everything about it. It's like there's an impartation. You know, you know what I'm saying? Eh? It's like there's a whole dynamic that comes there. God speaks a couple of words, but you understand everything about that within, within balance. You know what I'm saying? And I knew that I had to sink my pride. I knew that I had to serve. So you know what I did? I got to my uh, work earlier than everybody else. I arrived there earlier. I was the good boy. I also left. I packed up all the gears and I left last. I was the good boy. I brought my extended lunches. Oh, those lunches with with Natasha's sandwiches and a loaf of bread that I used to eat. I know it doesn't look like it, but I consumed a loaf of bread every lunchtime. That was a beautiful sandwich, just tucked into one loaf there, every sandwich. You know what I did? I took half an hour rather than 40 minutes when the boss wasn't there. I repented from that. I put that right. We had morning tea, 10 minutes. Afternoon tea, 10 minutes. No longer the 20 minutes. I was a faithful man when nobody could see me. You ready for this? Three and a half months later, only three and a half, I get a telephone call by a guy. His name was Murray Watkinson. And that was the beginning of my destiny. And that's led me to here today. I think this, I think this. That was a test here. Had I not passed that and sort of shunned the voice of the Lord, the work, they don't pay us enough, (laughs) too much gravel, too much fences to put up, too many instant lawn, why don't they just grow seeds and do it naturally, all this sort of stuff, I would have still been in Egypt. What's your battle this morning? What are you complaining about? Sadly, after years of counseling with people, it's almost like people's heads are full of concrete. I just can't get it into their head at times. Look, you have to forgive. You have to let it go. I agree with you. It was a horrible situation, but you can't camp life around there. Many years ago, there was a girl actually came to this church from New Zealand, and her husband had left her for another woman. And I said, so well, how long has this happened? And she said, 12 years ago. So, so, so y- you are so upset with him now. She said, I hate him. He's left me like this. And I said, it's sad. So my empathy came out. So I wasn't the hard, you know, harsh guy. The Bible says to rejoice when re- rejoice and weep when others weep. And she was weeping. She's crying. I wasn't crying, but I wasn't laughing, but I was kind of in the middle because I had to bring the word. And I said to her this, okay, so your husband has ruined your life for 12 years, you're telling me. She said, yes, it's shocking. I said, okay, he's not probably thinking about you now. He's not thinking about, he's doing his own thing right now. I don't think you're on his mind respectfully, but are you going to allow him to destroy the next 30 years of your life? So in 30 years time, you'd walk in this church, I hate him. What he did to me was a shocker. So you're gonna allow this guy to wreck the rest of your life or you're gonna come to a place where you actually let it go, take it to the cross, just like Jesus did for your sin, mine, and let us go. Gave us a mighty exchange. Jonathan, your rotten life, selfish, cruel, Vindictive, lustful, bent out, broken, confused, deranged life, and you can have my life. This is amazing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Two stories. Time to ask God why we're here. Paul and Silas, guess what? During this time, they rejoiced in the presence of the Lord. The next one, getting there. See the blessings in the trial. Even though it's not your perfect setup, it's not where you wanna be. You wanna be in uh, uh, London and you're in Mozambique. See it, see the blessings. In Habakkuk 3, 7 it said, even though the fig trees, they've got no blossoms on them, And there are no grapes on my vines. Even though my olive crops, they fail. And the fields are absolutely empty, stripped and barren. Even though the flocks, my sheep and goats and cattle in the fields, there's none and the cattle barns are completely empty. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. During the trial, when you're put in prison with Uh, Silas and Paul, they rejoiced in the Lord. What happened? They got broken free. And how to get out of this, despise this horrible area, is not only asking God, and God is wanting to do something in our life for sure. You know what it is? It's about us praising God in the trial. It's one of the first things that will go when we've been hurt is praise and thanksgiving. Gratitude and appreciation. It's one of the first things that's going to go apart from our faith. Got our eyes off Jesus, got our eyes on the offense, on the event, on the occurrence, on the incident, on the misfortune, on the fears, on the possibilities, on the scenarios. All of these things, we have to dig deep, and we have to praise the Lord. We lose our families. We lose our families. They die. We have to. We are grieved, but there's something within us. The strength of our conviction rises up and says, yet will I bless the Lord. Our children die through miscarriages. Yes, we shall bless the Lord. Nevertheless, we shall bless the Lord. The wife begins to leave us. Yes, (laughs) we shall bless the Lord. The husband leaves me. Yes, it's horrible. It's painful. It's not fair. I never signed up for this in life. But Father, you know all things. I'm going to trust you where I can't trace you. I'm going to bless your holy name. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. That's how we've got to live. There could be, listen, there could be an international, there could be, It's been predicted, an international economic blight like we've never seen before. That's what a lot of the experts are predicting. Rightly or wrongly, that's what they're saying. But if your security is in your business, it's gonna be a hard road. Or can you say in the midst of all this dynamic, I am going to trust you. Sometimes God will allow, like Job, everything around us to be stripped. Fortunes, fame, influence, prestige, to get to where you are with him on this earth. It's true. Been there, done that horrible, but I tell you what, some of the trials, multiple difficulties through many seasons of life has been a time of intimacy. And you know, it's taught me this, that at the end of the day, if a temptation comes my way, it's too painful to open up that door. If a temptation comes over here, it's just too painful to get in there, to engage anymore, because you've learned A terrible lesson, a good lesson, this way. Just about there. What do you do in the pit? Serve. This is not my place. This is not my role. This is not my giftings. Serve. The Bible says that Job served. He was only going to be in that prison for 12, 13, 14 years. This is where he was going to be. What did he do? He still served with his giftings. Some of us say, well, unless I can become an international rock star, I'm not going to sing in the church. Unless I can be the top drummer and a session drummer for all these groups around the world, far be it from me to serve in the church. It's not my destiny. It's not my calling. Serve. I want to be an international evangelist. Up in front of 50, 60, 80, 150, 200,000 people in Africa and other countries and stuff. That's what I want to do. Serve. Tell your neighbor about Jesus now. Be faithful in the small. God will raise you up to the big things. But if you're not wanting to be faithful in the small, there's no, God's not necessarily gonna raise you up. He will take you through stuff so you'll end up serving. God, you know when you said, I do to Jesus? It's very different from when you said, I do to your wife or her husband. God took you on as a project. He said, right, you've shaken my hand. I trust you, Jonathan. You've given me your word. You basically said I surrender all. Right, should we go for a walk, shall we? It's called hard work. It's called misunderstandings. It's called difficult times. It's called grieving. It's called horrible nights and financial difficulties and hardships. All these things. But at the end, like Job, I after he has tried me and tested me, He's going to bring me forth as gold. That's the destiny. Don't despise it. Embrace it. Grab the horns of the altar. Mate, are are these things basic? These things are simple. This is not rocket science. You could have got this and be preaching it up. It's just God's got me preaching it for you. But this is just simple stuff. Yet I see people default on it daily. People get upset over it daily and people just, just like, God, where are you? Trust God. Final one, Joseph saw God's perspective and I'm gonna say this, one of the best things you can do in life is to carry the right perspective. Wow, right perspective. You have to, sometimes the emotions are so loud and so, uh, you know, they've hurt me and the neighbors this and you try to talk to them and they got all this pent up stuff. My friend was telling me in New Zealand about a person in his church, a young guys, all pent up and angry, and he tried to talk to him. He's all got all this stuff going on because he's been hurt and a child and all sorts of stuff, and it's, it's just like all this emotions. You try to calm the guy down. Ugh! And I says, you know, but that's that's what that's how we live out our lives sometimes. Joseph saw perspective, and that's key. Genesis fifty twenty. You intended this. The brothers said, "We are sorry, man." didn't mean to put you down the well, didn't really mean, we didn't really mean to kill you like that and want to trade you, we're sorry. This is what he says though, this is after he could have been executed, put in the prison laws, he says, you intended me harm, but God intended it for all good. Isn't that incredible? Whatever you're going through right now, good, bad, or ugly, God is going to turn it around for good. All things work together for those who love God and according, according to the purposes. You might as well have joy in the difficulties. Stop being a sourpuss. Stop having that default face that looks hideous. No, seriously, it's like this. Christian, are we? Yeah, was. I mean, still am, kind of, you know. No, no, no. Rejoice in the Lord. It's time to rejoice. Easy for me to say, but it's time to rejoice in the difficulties. It's time to put the smile on. Yes, yes, we're going towards liquidation. Yes, we're trying to pull on the heartstrings of the lawyers, but we're going to rejoice in the Lord. We've still got our health. No, that's gone too. My wife's got cancer. Oh gosh. Well, we're going to rejoice. As she dies, we're going to rejoice all the way. She's going to be in glory before I'm going to be in glory. She's going to see the master's face before I will see your face, Lord Jesus. We're going to rejoice in the Lord. Some of us are burdened because of our children out in the kingdom. It's time to rejoice. It unlocks prison doors. It does. It moves us from one level to another level. It shatters the powers of darkness. The reason why we rejoice is because it's a spiritual weapon. Some of us get hit and we get depressed. We get discouraged. You know what? Let me tell you this. Rejoice in the Lord. The Bible said it is the garment. You put the garment on of praise that lifts off that spirit of heaviness. This is just basic stuff but it's what ministers falter with. It's what people over here fall with. It's where we don't graduate in God with. We must rejoice every day. We must thank the Lord every day. We're gonna have some hardships. We're gonna have some economic challenges. We might have a code 20 virus released on the earth. Could do. Time to rejoice. Time to thank the Lord. You don't sound convinced. Just sitting there like this. I have to see your faces every week. At least force a smile on your face. Force it. But, but, we got, well, right, what we'll do, we'll get the deacons and elders, we'll, we'll right, smile and everybody just, oh, that's right, I just got a smile, that's right. Well, let me tell you this. Let me explain how this works. God works from the inside out. He works from here, he works out, right? Okay, that's how he does it. But you know what you could do? You can work from the outside in. You haven't got all the Word of God inside you, but the Word of God's here, so you read it and you get it inside you. When you begin to smile, it does something for you. Yeah, the next step is you're laughing. That's so true. Start smiling, next step you're laughing. Start thanksgiving the Lord. Start to thank Him and praise Him for my wretched husband and, or whatever it is that's going, praise Him. It'll happen for me. I'm stuck in a quadrum, a terrible situation. I'm in a pit. Praise Him. Let's give the Lord a hand. Musicians, come. God bless you this morning. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website, celebrationraratonga.com. Until next time...